ask the Lord to bless me this evening and <clears throat> to speak to our hearts. Lord Heavenly Father, you are great and greatly to be praised. We're so privileged and honored, God, that we can be in your house tonight, Lord. I thank you, God, for your presence that I feel in this place, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you meet with us as we come to worship you and to praise you, Lord. I pray, God, that you will bless your word tonight, God. Help me, Lord, with the delivery of your word. And I thank you for that great privilege, God. And I pray that you will speak to our hearts, God, and that you will be in our midst, beloved God, speaking to our hearts, I pray. I thank you, Lord. I ask your will tonight for this service in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like you to turn with me to First um, Corinthians chapter 15. A little bit of a long reading. Verses 51 to 58. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? (coughs) The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, Unmovable. We can read this last verse together. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. <coughs> Amen. What a wonderful event that's going to be. It's something that's going to happen. It's something that's in the future. And this corruption is going to put on incorruption. So this body here that we're looking at and that we housed, that we are walking around in, is corruptible. Amen. And it's mortal and it's going to face death one day. Amen. But God is going to change that in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. There's not going to be any time space. There's not going to be a second for us to get ready. And that's in my message here. But there's not going to be a second or half a second or a split second. We need to be ready when that hour comes. When God comes down and he takes his church away and this corruption is changed to incorruption and this mortal is changed to immortal and we <clears throat> we in the power of God will be caught up to meet him in the air can you imagine such a thing can you imagine as you walk around in your daily business that one day you will be up there in the clouds ready to meet the Lord and going up there right up to meet God in the clouds amen it's an impossibility when we look at it in our own eyes but God is going to do that let us be ready when Jesus comes and thank you God for that that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, the message tonight is called Passover. 
The Passover was an amazing, incredible plan in the mind of God. The Passover was to preserve his people unto himself, to journey with them, provide their every need, and lead them to the promised land. The spiritual promised land is heaven. And God desires and has made provisions for man to be in heaven with him for eternity. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and that where I am, there you may be also. As in any home, house rules and boundaries apply to keep the home in the standard desired. God's house will be the same. There will be no unexpected guests arriving in God's house, but it will be full of those who have followed and loved God, observed his boundaries, and lived to please and worship him. Heaven is a holy place, and there will be no sin in heaven. In Exodus chapter 12, God gives us instructions, I mean, God gives Moses instructions as to how the Passover will take place. In verse 2, God said, God sets the calendar for the nation of Israel, saying to Moses that this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. As we know, the Jews have a different calendar to the rest of the world. Their calendar is called the religious calendar. At a very basic level, their calendar is based on lunar cycles, whereas the civil calendar is based on the solar system. Every four years, the Western calendar has to add a day, which is the 29th of February, to keep the calendar in step with the Earth's progress around the sun. Because of the solar year, the dates shift and holidays do not always fall exactly on the same days of the given dates. My young brother was born on Easter Sunday, and my mother said to me, I'll never ever forget the date of his birthday. Amen. But every, every Easter Sunday thereafter was on a different day. That, that's what happens with the uh, Western calendar. But the Jewish calendar begins each month with a new moon. It has 12 lunar months of 29 or 30 days, which is about 10 days short of a solar year. Therefore, seven years in every 19 would have an extra month. This ensures that the seasonal feasts are always in their correct season. God has set the date. He set the calendar. For the Passover, the Jewish calendar month, Nisan, formerly called Abib, corresponds with April, May on the Western calendar. Reading Exodus 12, 1 to 13, God gives his specific instructions for the Passover. On the 10th day of the month, a lamb was chosen. The lamb was to be one year old, and without blemish. There was to be one lamb per household. The lamb was set aside to be slaughtered in the evening of the 14th day, which is the beginning of the new day, the 15th. The children of Israel were to take the blood from the slaughtered lamb and strike it on the doorposts and the lintels. The lamb was roasted whole with bitter herbs and unleavened bread, and it was eaten in the house. They were told not to leave any meat until the morning, and any meat not eaten had to be burned with fire. They were dressed with their lawns girded, shoes on their feet, and carrying a staff. They had to stay in the house at midnight, and the Lord would pass over. 
very, very specific instructions. And that's what our God is. He's very specific. Amen. And we have to follow his specific ways in order for us to be right with him. Then it says, no bone of the lamb was to be broken. Exodus 12 and 46, I'll just read that scripture. In one house shall it be eaten, shall, shall it be eaten. You shall not carry forth any of the flesh outside the house, neither shall you break a bone of it. God said that the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Then God said, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Hallelujah. That was the instructions to the nation of Israel to keep that feast of the Passover, uh, reminding them of Jesus coming, of the Lord coming, and saving them from the angel from death when it passed over in Egypt. This, this was the tenth plague by God sent to Egypt, which was death to the firstborn, human and animal. At midnight, God executed death of the firstborn throughout the land, but those under the blood of the Lamb did not suffer this judgment. God knew every home that was occupied by Israelites and could easily deliver them from their households. But faith is required by God's followers to enter into his promised land. And it was essential for the children of Israel to demonstrate that faith and obedience by spreading the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lintels and follow those instructions that were given by God. There's no record of such an incident, but should any Israelite have refused to choose a lamb or to kill a lamb or to refuse to apply the blood to the doorposts and lintels or try to apply, apply the blood in, blood in another part of the house, this person and his family under his roof would have suffered the same judgment as the Egyptians. For us to avoid the judgment of death, we need to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives which he shed on the cross for us. Hallelujah. The Passover types and fulfillments in Jesus Christ are Israel had to choose a lamb on the 10th day. Jesus is the lamb. And on the 10th day, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Just remember that when Jesus was crucified, the Passover feast was, in, was taking place at that time. The lamb must be without defect. Jesus was perfect. He is perfect. Unleavened bread, completely without sin. No bones of the lamb were to be broken. When the soldiers came to break the bones on Jesus', on Jesus legs when he was on the cross, they found him to be dead already, and they did not break his bones. In regard to this crucifixion or crucifixions, it was customary to break the leg bones of the person being crucified after a few hours in order to hasten death. The only way a person could breathe when they were hanging on the cross was to push their legs up and down, which was very exhausting. So by breaking the legs, death would follow very quickly by asphyxiation. Israel had to put blood on the door frames. 
Jesus shed his blood on the cross to cover our sins. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. God said to the children of Israel, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When we come under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death will pass over us. The Israelites would be spared from death while under the blood. The blood of Jesus covers our sins so that we shall not be condemned. The Israelites had to stay in the house until morning. Faith in Jesus must endure, endure right until the end. Israel was delivered out of slavery in Egypt, and Jesus gives us spiritual deliverance from slavery to sin and fear and death. The Israelites were dressed, ready to go in God's perfect timing. Likewise, we need to be ready to go when God comes to take his church away. There won't be time for us to get dressed. And to be dressed uh, spiritually means to have our sins washed away, to be cleansed from our sins and forgiven of all of those sins. When he does come, like I said earlier on, there'll be no time for us to get ready. We need to be ready when we find out that this is God's will for our lives and his plan for our lives. And by himself, we need to continue in that state of readiness. It doesn't matter how many years it'll take until the Lord Jesus Christ comes, but we must stay in the house until he comes. We must remain under the blood. We must remain under what God has called us to do and to be until the day that he comes. And that is a mystery. We don't know when that day is. We don't know when that hour is, but we are to be ready. We have that responsibility. Jesus made a great sacrifice for all of us. I'm so glad that he took my sins away. I'm so glad that he healed me and he delivered me. Amen. By that sacrifice that he made on the cross. And it's up to us to be ready. And I pray that God will help me to be ready continuously. It may be tonight that he comes. We don't know. We don't know. The Bible clearly tells us that we don't know. But as I read in that scripture, it'll be in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So if you twinkle your eye, you will see how quick that will take place, how quick that time is, and we'll be gone and we'll be taken from this earth. What a privilege it is. Why do we sit back? Why do we relax? Why do we do things to keep God out of our lives? What's the point of doing that? We can't be caught up to meet him in the air if we're not right with him at any time, day or night. It's a 24-7 lifestyle, and we need to keep that. What do we got so much to thank God for? Hallelujah. And you know what? When he died on the cross, we weren't around. None of us were around when he died on the cross. But the same principle applies. The same salvation applies in this hour and this day. Glory, hallelujah. Glory to God. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? He's coming to knock at your door. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? Will I be ready when Jesus comes? Will I be ready? Hallelujah. 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 The signs in the world are telling us that Jesus is coming very, very soon. The times are telling us, but we do not know, and we need to be ready. Amen. In Leviticus 23, God gave seven feasts. I'm only going to talk on the first four feasts. Feast number one is the Passover, which takes place on the Western calendar in March or April, March, April of the year. And the Jewish calendar, it's on the days 14 and 15, the sin. And that is redemption and the death of the Messiah. That has been fulfilled. That has taken place. 
The second feast is unleavened bread, which is also in March, April, and on the 15th to 22nd Nisan. And this is the sanctification and the burial of the, <coughs> of the Messiah. There was no decay. He was buried there for three days. The third feast is the first fruits, the grain, in, the grain harvest. That also is in March, April, and that's in the Jewish calendar, the 16th to the 17th Nisan. And that is fulfilled in the resurrection of the Messiah. Then exactly 50 days from the first fruits, the Feast of Pentecost. That's uh, in, the, in the Western calendar, it's May, May June. And in the uh, Jewish calendar, it's 6 to 7 Sivan. This is the Pentecost. And the fulfillment is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The fulfillment of that Feast of Pentecost is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which took place after 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. That's when the Holy Ghost was poured out. There are three other feasts, the trumpet, the Day of Atonement, and the tabernacles, and those are still to be fulfilled. They haven't as yet been fulfilled, but that will take place in God's fullness of time. We see from these feasts that God is meticulous in his plans, his purposes, his promises, his fulfillments, his timing. And that is why we can write, one of the reasons why we can rely upon him completely, because there is never any change or variableness. James 1 and 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. After the resurrection, Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen of the apostles 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When they were all assembled together, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Soon after that, Jesus ascended, and the apostles who had witnessed his ascension returned to Jerusalem from Mount Olivet, which was a Sabbath day journey away. They gathered in the upper room and upper room together with the woman, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brethren. Altogether, there were about 120 believers, and they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication waiting for the promise. We need to continue in prayer. We need to continue in supplication. We need to wait for the Lord. In regard to the Feast of Pentecost, the new international version of Leviticus 23, 15 and 16 reads, From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. The grain offering was food to do with flour, and uh, the Bible speaks of Jesus as the bread of life. The word Pentecost means 50, and exactly 50 days from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the day of Pentecost was fully come. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, 
And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred on a predestinated day, time, and place. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential for our salvation. The initial outpouring in the upper room was a very dramatic and fiery event. Each individual was filled with the Holy Ghost, and each individual spake with tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And I place emphasis on speaking in other tongues because there's Christian organizations who are teaching that it is not necessary for people to speak in tongues. It's not necessary for people to have a baptism in the, in the Holy Ghost. They just have to believe and they receive the Holy Ghost. But the example from the Bible doesn't tell us that at all. It speaks about people being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And in some cases, they even look as if they're drunk because it's the power of God in their lives. Amen. It's not a halfway. Don't listen to that doctrine. Don't stop halfway. Don't, don't ignore that completely because it's not the way that God wants it to be. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Ghost and there's evidence. I know you're filled with the Holy Ghost if I hear you speaking in other tongues. Don't tell me you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me hear you speaking in other tongues and I will know that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. There is that evidence. Hallelujah. As, in, as those in the upper room were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, they were heard and seen by devout men in Jerusalem out of every nation under heaven. I understand that these devout men had gathered in Jerusalem for the feasts, starting with the Passover and ending with the Feast of Pentecost. They thought those filled with the Holy Ghost were drunk. They were amazed and marveled at them speaking in other tongues. Eventually, Peter explained Pentecost to all who were there to hear, and 3,000 were added to the church on that day. Could I have uh, the piano, please, Sister Satenka? Not only does one speak with other tongues when filled with the Holy Ghost, one is given power from God. God has said, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. When Jesus comes back again to take his church from this world, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We can only be caught up by the power of the Holy, by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. In our own mortal bodies, in our own uh, selves, we cannot be caught up. We need this power of the Holy Spirit dwelling us. And those that are filled with the Holy Spirit are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. So we've got the Holy Spirit. Those of us that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and that is the earnest of our inheritance. And what is our inheritance? It's eternal life. Amen. Jesus has paid the price for us from death to life. We belong to him. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, we are heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That means we're going to inherit spiritual blessings. We're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. We're going to inherit uh, the kingdom of God because Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you so that where you are, I may be with you. Amen. Be with him. And we are fellow heirs 
with Jesus Christ. This is all the spiritual culmination of the Passover. We are at that place where the Holy Ghost has been poured out and we are ready and waiting for the Lord. There is an urgency for all of us to be ready when Christ will soon come to take his church away. So I'm asking you to come to the altar this evening, come to the front to pray for the Holy Spirit if you've never received the Holy Spirit. I want to underline and emphasize that this is very important and it's a place of urgency at the moment. The Lord is coming back soon and if we wait and wait and wait, we could lose out. This is God's plan. We are the ones that are going to fit in with God's plan and do it God's way. And once you get the Holy Spirit, your life is never the same again. It's wonderful to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful to pray in the Spirit. It's wonderful to be in the Holy Spirit with God. Amen.